All right. So can we get everyone to stand up one more time and join us as we continue on with our worship service?
no wall you won't kick down, high you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, high you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I found these the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of Yeah. 
just want to share a little quick thing. When I was in, when I first went to college, um, my dad, who's here for the baby dedication, um, I think he thought it was my first time going to a, a public school. I've been going to Christian schools my whole life. I think he thought I was going to turn to a heathen. So uh, every morning he would send me a devotional through email. And to be honest, that first year I didn't read all of them. Um, probably didn't read a lot of them. Um, but there were there was one that really stood out to me that I did read. Um, and I've tried to share everywhere I've gone um, where I've led praise. And since this is my first time leading at this church, I just wanted to share it really quickly. And this kind of shaped and molded how, how I think about praise, um, whether you're going through hard times or good times. I mean, it goes like this. As you learn to praise, you will find that there are days in which you cannot gather yourself to praise. Perhaps you praise God seven times today, yesterday, and the day before. But one day you will find that you cannot utter a praise. On such days, you suffer misunderstanding and slander. You are busy shedding tears of self-pity. You feel that the most obvious thing to do would be to murmur rather than give thanks. At that very moment, you should remember that Jehovah's throne has not changed and his glory has not changed. You should praise him simply because he is worthy of praise. You should bless him simply because he is worthy of all blessings. At that moment, your praise becomes a sacrifice of praise. Your praise is like the slaughter of your fattest calf. Your praise and tears is a sacrifice of praise. You are wounded before God. You die before God. But you realize that God's throne is established in the heavens and cannot be shaken, and you do not hold back your praise. This is the sacrifice of praise. God desires his children to praise him in everything and through every situation. So as we sing this uh, opening song, um, it's, a, it's kind of a combination between 10,000 Reasons and What a Beautiful Name. Um, since it is Thanksgiving, let's think about all the things that we have to be thankful for God. And even if it's a difficult time for you, let's just praise God through as a sacrifice of praise. Yours 
Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the Happy Sabbath, everyone. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving break. Um, I ate so much. <laughs> had a hard time uh, buttoning the, lot, the top one this morning. <laughs> Can barely breathe right now. Um, it's good to see a lot of people back. Uh, I see Shelly's back. So glad to have her. Christine's back. Isaac's back. Elder Josh and Irene's back. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you guys back here. Uh, I've also been gone for a few times on Campari retreats, and I also went on a vacation to Europe, my first Euro trip. I went from Budapest to Vienna to Prague, and then I had a four-hour short layover in France. So quickly went outside, <laughs> took the train, um, took a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower, and then <laughs> came back. <laughs> um, I saw a lot of things there. Um, some beautiful buildings, historical things, and it's how people lived. And um, this is one of the most memorable things that I've witnessed when I went to Europe. And I was that. Um, there should be a picture on the screen. So this shocked me. Um, if you see the picture, it is a person who was begging on the street, right? And when I saw that, I don't know why, but it really convicted me. Something was different about European beggars compared to people in America, you know? Like, you know, in America, like, when you go to uh, the, you know, streets, you see them with... um, Posters and you know they're asking for stuff and I was shocked because when I went to the when I went to Europe, I saw them kneeling and they wouldn't show their face. 
And they were just, all they were doing is just having their hands out. And for some reason, it really just shook my heart. You know, it made me think, you know, why am I so proud as a sinner? When I'm begging to Jesus, am I actually begging or do I feel bad? Am I ashamed or am I just so proud of it? And it just made me think. Uh, Today we're going to study, share a message about someone who also begged. And this is found in Matthew chapter 15 and also in the book of Mark. In the Bible, in the gospel, there's 35 miracles recorded. But only four involve women directly. First is healing of Peter's mother and then raising the widow's son. Raising Lazarus, and lastly, casting out the demon in this story. There's three miracles that Jesus performed to the uh, Gentiles. But there's only one recorded instance where Jesus leaves Palestine. So Jesus actually travels 40 miles from Capernaum to this place. And so what we can see is that this is not By chance, Jesus intentionally went out to the territories of the Gentiles. He had a lesson prepared. He had something to tell to the disciples. So the Gentiles back in those days were considered unclean. In fact, Jews referred to the Gentiles as street dogs. And Jesus wanted to teach to the disciples that there is no difference between Jews and the Gentiles when it comes to saving. All sinners are in need of a Savior. And here we find a mother, a dear mother who is truly uh, considered, uh, for, has a heart for her daughter, right? And she discovers that Jesus was there and went to ask for help. Can you imagine the obstacles that she had to go through and face to seek Jesus Christ for the sake of her daughter? First of all, the nationality was against her. She was a Gentile, not a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. She was a she. She was a woman. And a woman in a society where man had dominated. Satan was against her, with the demon possessed. The disciples were against her. They wanted Jesus to send her away so that Jesus can rest along with the disciples included. It seems, which is even worse, that even Jesus was against her. You know, what do you do when in life, everyone seems to be against you? How do you face those trials? Would you still persist to see Jesus in your life? What are you doing today to see Jesus? What obstacles are you going through to see and ask Jesus? And I feel like Jesus Christ has become so convenient to Christians, so accessible that we accept and just assume his presence. 
Have you guys heard of the uh, Schrodinger's cat? (laughs) I have a hard time pronouncing it. Schrodinger's cat, right? Um, It's a paradox, right? A cat, along with the flask containing poison and radioactive source, is placed in a box and is closed, right? And while the cat is in the box, it's both alive and dead. You don't know until you open it. Right? You won't know if the cat's alive or dead unless you open the box. And I feel like we have done that with Jesus. We have chosen to put him in a box and just be satisfied that he's in there. Right? We don't open him up. We don't check him. We just assume he's there. I put Jesus right there. I left him inside here last time. So he must still be in that box. Never taking him out. into our lives. This woman is suffering. She is going through so much trouble. There's a guy named Samuel Rutherford. Uh, He's a Scottish minister who suffered very much. And he once said to his friend, um, I wrote it on the screen. Can we go there again? He said, oh, can you show it again? (laughs) Don't show my face. It is faith's work to claim and challenge loving kindness out of all the roughest strokes of God. And that is exactly what this woman did. You know, I think women who are mothers, they are so powerful. I'm so glad that we had baby dedication for Zach today. You know, the truth about baby dedication is that it's actually not a baby dedication. If you think about it, right? Babies have no idea that they're being dedicated. So what is a dedication for? It is a dedication of the parents. Right? When we have baby dedication here, we're saying that I make a public declaration to the congregation that I promise to God that I will make sure that this kid, this child, is going to be offered to God. And whatever happens in life, I as the parent, we as the parents, will do whatever necessary to make sure that that child belongs to God. And the reason why we do it at church is because we as a congregation also make a promise that we will also do our best to make sure to help the parents. Right? That's why we gave the dedication for baby Zach today. Parents are so powerful. And this woman, this mother, she approaches Jesus. Boldly. Daring. And she says, son of David. She refers to Jesus as son of David, which is a title that technically she's not allowed to say because she's not a Jew. But she calls him son of David because she knows it is a name for the Messiah. She recognizes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior. And hopefully this Messiah can save her daughter also. You know, but it's so discouraging. When she first asked, what is Jesus' reply? 
Jesus' reply is that there was no reply. She, he did not reply or respond back to her. He did not even answer her. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? No reply, right? You know, I have a few pet peeves, and this is one of my pet peeves. Like, when I send out a text or when I message someone, you guys have that too, right? On Kakao, and then you wait for a re- response. You s- disappear, so you know they read it. But they're not responding back, and it just bothers so much, right? Um, no reply usually means no, right? Denied. And in by this silence of Jesus, the disciples actually urged him to send her away. Hey, Jesus. And Jesus speaks, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But we have to be careful here. This is a reply from Jesus to the disciples. At the same time, to the woman, right? And I want you to keep this verse in mind. And so I must ask, the question is, then who belongs in the house of Israel? Who is included in the house of Israel? It's to be answered. She cried out for help, and she simply said, Lord, help me. When is the last time you begged? We have some powerful people here, right? We have adults here. When is the last time you ever begged? When is the last time you've ever begged for someone else on behalf of someone? We usually don't beg. We usually tell. We usually command, do this, right? But she begs. And Jesus replies, it is not right to take the children's bread and feed to the dogs. But stop. Why is Jesus saying that? Why is Jesus saying such things? First, he doesn't reply. Second, he says things that seem very against her. I want us to study this word. The word used for dog here is called kuneria, which in Greek means, what does it mean? It doesn't mean just a dog. It doesn't mean a street dog. It actually means a small puppy. Right? So if you translate it completely, it's actually a small pet, small house dog. Right? And who owns the dog here? Right? I know some of you, a lot of you actually own pets, dogs, right? And are dogs considered part of the family? The dogs that you own, are they part of your family? I think so. Sometimes I see owners feeding the dog before feeding anyone else, right? It's the dog that gets to go out early in the morning and go on that walk, right? 
and the owners have to actually take care of them. Dogs who are in the house are definitely part of the family. And Jesus wasn't saying, you street dog. You know, we use the word dog in many different ways. Sometimes in good ways when you say puppy, and sometimes it's used for bad things, right? Jesus was not calling the woman a stray dog. Jesus called, Jesus used the word puppy. Jesus is giving us clues here. He's giving breadcrumbs for the bread. And so we have to study carefully here. Puppies are friends, not food. Puppies are family, right? They belong in your family. Guess what Jesus was telling the disciples? You have bread. You've been given bread. Now what? Share it. I gave you me so that you can share me to others around you. You have first been fed. Feed others. If you read the whole chapter 15, it talks about unclean and clean things. It talks about eating. It talks about feeding the 4,000. It's all related together. Jesus wants to give a practical life lesson. The disciples needed to know Gentiles are also included in Jesus' salvation plan. They're also to be fed. They're part of the house. Christ was telling the disciples, my ministry transcends gender equality, racism, ethnical, cultural differences. My salvation, I am for everyone. I am for all sinners who accept and ask of me. Christ was saying, be grateful. Be thankful. I chose your nation to feed you first, that you may also feed. You got the first dib, so now you can feed others. You know, when there's trouble that you have in life, Jesus gives us a tip. This is a life hack, right? When in trouble, when everything seems against you, use Christ's words as a basis for your plea. That is what this woman did. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs, it says here. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Use and claim Christ's own words for your own. Use the word of God to claim the promises that God has given to you in your life. I can't imagine how happy Jesus must have been. Yes, she, she got the idea. She got the hint. She took the clue and she followed the breadcrumbs. I want to tell you, there is power in the word of God. There is power in the blood. There is power in the Bible. 
and great faith takes God at his own word and will not let go until God meets that need. She accepted her place. She believed in his word. And she persisted in her plea, and Jesus not only met her need, but commended her for her faith. There's only two times where Jesus commended great faith. And isn't it ironic that it was both, both times it was said to the Gentiles, the centurion and this woman. You know, I wonder, could it be possible that we as Christians are the ones who have neglected and taken Jesus for granted the most? You know, I was so well-fed this Thanksgiving. I ate like six times a day, right? Right? You know, three times at my house and three times at other places, right? And just continuously being fed and feeding, you know, made me think, am I really giving thanks to God? I'm so well fed here at Loma Linda that I forgot to beg. It's been so long when I have spiritually begged for Christ to feed me. Am I, did I really give thanksgiving to God this thanksgiving? Did I give anything? Or was I giving thanks to myself? Yes, I have enough to feed, to be fed. Who are we feeding? Christ fed us first. And he says, go feed others. The bread is not for you alone. I remember when I was hungry. Uh, it was the first time I came to Loma Linda and I was struggling so much. And I couldn't sleep. I ate. <laughs> But I couldn't sleep and I was so stressed. Um, and I remember um, an elder and his wife who visited me. And they brought me mandu from L.A. And they prayed for me. They visited me, and they became my pastor. And when I was fed, when I was hungry, I was so thankful. You know, when we were full and we're fed more, we're not thankful. We say that's enough. A lot of times I think we are fed. We're fed so much, but we don't give back. We don't give back to people and to God. And so... we forget to be thankful. And there's an amazing story, amazing truth that we can find and learn here, which is that when we beg God, when we come to God as sinners, and we beg for his mercy, we change our status from beggars to children of God. Christ is actually the beggar prince who came first. And he became like us. And he begged, he pleaded, and he died for our lives. So that when we ask of him, that we can actually be children of God. And so maybe the American homeless who proudly ask, maybe they are doing the right thing. When it comes to asking God, we need to 
ask boldly and be persistent. Ashamed as sinners, yes, but proud of Christ who provides. To confess our sins. Sometimes it's so embarrassing that we can't show our face. But when we've received, when we're in the house of Israel as children of God, then we can truly be proud of our Savior. You know, when I went to Europe, I also saw a lot of other things. And this is the second thing that impacted me and made me think. Um, I went to visit and look at a lot of churches. There are some gorgeous churches in Europe with history, right? And it took hundreds of years to build. But the place that I went that really touched my heart was a church that I don't know the name of. It was a smaller church. And uh, my friend and I, we woke up like early in the morning at like 6 a.m. We were just walking everywhere. And this is a place that we just randomly stopped by. And this is what really uh, bothered me and made me think. Um, I have another picture. Uh, I don't know if you can see well, but that's me. <laughs> and that's my feet. And my feet is on something that's It's not supposed to be on. When I went inside the church, I sat down and um, on the bottom of the chairs or pew, there's these these wooden things, right? And I thought it's there to put my feet on. But I quickly came to realize that that's not for my feet, right? What is it for? Yeah, it's for my knees. It's for kneeling and praying. You know? And I was jealous of everything that I saw in Europe, all the churches and the glorious, the grand, the colorful, the scent, everything about it. But that one thing that I was jealous about was that. You know? I think our chairs are made to sit. But I think their chairs... or made to kneel and pray. Like when I went into the sanctuary, I saw, at the church, I saw homeless people. And I saw people early in the morning and they came and they were were praying. And it gave that atmosphere where I couldn't help myself but to just kneel and pray. I could really pray. And I think our church can also be that church where we can kneel and pray. A lot of us have been given so much, including me, that we forgot to beg to God as sinners. We forgot to kneel and earnestly pray for God to provide us with food, with spiritual food. I should be hungry, but I'm fed with something else of this world To the point that my body rejects what Christ wants to give. I think that is what we can be thankful for. Jesus Christ, who came down to this earth like a beggar. Who was once king, but came down and plead for our salvation. And so... we should give our thanks to God. 
we are in America, right? Where first pilgrims came to practice their religion, to be freed, to worship freely. And they shared in thanksgiving. There needs to be a true thanksgiving in our hearts where we can really kneel and pray. So let's make it our homework to really pray to God in kneeling as we give our thanks. Should I pray?